0: Shifting expectations and the paid traffic space with Ashley Monk. The Strategic Marketing Show is brought to you by Insights for Professionals. Providing access to the latest industry insights from trusted brands, all in a customized, tailored experience. Find out more over at insightsforprofessionals.com. Hey, it's David. The paid traffic landscape is constantly changing. Are you keeping up with what works best today we're going to be discussing how the paid traffic landscape is shifting how your paid traffic expectations should be shifting and how you should be tracking your paid traffic success in 2022 and beyond Joining me to discuss that is a lady who helps growth-minded companies who have been unable to scale their services and digital products because they cannot dial in strategy or solve their own marketing problems. She serves clients internationally and is founder and CEO of Onya, one of the top market agencies in the Indianapolis region. Want a warm welcome to the Strategic Marketing Show, Ashley Monk.
1: Thank you, David. I'm very excited to be here.
0: Thank you, Ashley. Great to have you here. We can find Ashley over at onya.mark.com. So Ashley, how has the way that paid traffic success is achieved, uh, changed over the last few years?
1: It's changed drastically. And keep in mind, this whole paid traffic space and the online media space is still relatively new. We're really, if you think about it, Facebook was the first giant to really begin. And that was just in around 2007 and eight. And so over Just over a decade, we've seen so many changes happen, but the last several years have been very significant. One in particular um, has really had to do with privacy and tracking changes, which I know we'll talk more about today. But around 2021 of last year, Facebook issued an update to be in compliance with Apple's iOS 14 update and what that update did was it allowed people that are using an iPhone on and that type of device to be able to opt out of being tracked and so for marketers leveraging paid media it has created quite a challenge and a lot of changes in how we serve ads to different audiences and how we leverage user data to really create effective campaigns. And so as a result of that, strategy, creatives, messaging, and targeting strategies as a whole have drastically needed to shift and will only continue to evolve to do so.
0: Right, okay. Yeah, we're, we're seeing that um, a lot over the last couple of years. We've seen the implementation of uh, Google Analytics 4 recently with privacy laws in mind as well. Um, so with with Facebook perhaps as an example, how has the way that targeting is achieved, actually changed?
1: There's so much to this question, but one of, to get on a tactical level, there are quite a few changes, one being retargeting and the use of the Facebook pixel. Um, The pixel is still can be effective in the right area, but it's not nearly as effective as it was several years ago. And because of a lot of people and not wanting their, their information to be tracked. So that's one commonality. And that has created a need for more broad, audiences and targeting people differently. It used to be, and one thing that I've heard a lot of prospects say when they are inquiring to potentially engage and work with a firm like ours is that they really want to laser target their audience and show ads to very, very specific groups of people. In some cases, that's not always possible depending on your audience size. And so that's changed the way that we target people to try to instead of go after demographics or to be very, very precise in the way that we serve ads to people to really rely on messaging and effective creative to do some of that targeting and qualifying for us. So there are a lot of nuances that affected that, but retargeting is one area that's been highly affected in addition to trying to create larger audiences instead of smaller segmented groups, which was a very promising tactic in the past.
0: Okay. Um, so you mentioned iOS 14. Um, that to a certain degree led the way um, with Google, with uh, Facebook sorry, having to comply with what they were looking for there as well. And you, you alluded to the fact that um, actually it's necessary to build larger audiences nowadays and possibly even trust the machines, trust the AI um, to deliver your messaging in the right way to your target audiences. So is AI in advertising much more effective than it used to be?
1: That's a great question. And I believe that it is. It's it, And it's had to be because a lot of that, to your point, that's been one of the largest concerns that many people have had is trusting machine learning and trusting AI to target their audiences and being concerned that it's not to the point that it needs to be. But even in the past 12 months alone, so much substantial progress has been made to improve that because... If you think about it, for Facebook and the companies that are being affected by this, I use Facebook as an example because it was the one that was affected the most drastically. But we are seeing these changes roll out to other online platforms as well. They have had to really evolve and continue to grow in those areas because they don't want to lose their customer base. If you think about it, I mean, Facebook and all of these social networks are free to use use for the general public. But they make their money in advertising. And so, therefore, those companies are very motivated to ensure that the best overall experience is provided for advertisers and for marketers so that they will stay on the platform. And as a result of all of those changes, they've made significant improvements on the algorithm's ability to serve ads um, that were not there several years ago. It's been great to watch a lot of those changes take place.
0: So how can a marketer help the machines learn as quickly as possible? Is it about um, simply the creative and actually ensuring that the creative is targeted to a set audience as possible, or are there other ways to assist the machines?
1: This is such a great question. One I would say is allowing the machines enough time to task. So as a marketer, if you can prepare enough creative in advance to allow a campaign to run for at least five to seven days, that can be great because if you don't give... Now, the machines are relatively quicker at being able to spot trends and to be able to serve and cater ads well. But I would say five to seven days of a campaign running is really that sweet spot to where the machine learning can take over. It's got enough data at that point to continue to identify where conversions are happening, the audience that is being serviced as well. So from a marketing standpoint, if you can really intentionally prepare creatives ahead of time to test that are really aligned with the market that you're targeting. That can speed up the process, but also not touching it. I think sometimes and I've seen this mistake when we've our firm has audited different accounts and looked at what past companies are doing. Often I have one in mind that we were watching them run a new campaign every 24 to 48 hours. And that is just too many changes. And so I see marketers whether it's a marketing director working for a firm getting pressure from their direct superior to scale the campaign more quickly, whether it's an agency where the company is pressuring them to perform. One to two days is too quick to make changes, in my opinion, to a brand new campaign. You really need to allow the machine and the AI time to be able to adapt. And so one of the best things that marketers can do is actually allow that machine enough time to learn and to take note on what trends and what changes are happening before making changes too aggressively.
0: That's a great point there. I love um, that tip there, wait five to six days uh, for whatever ad platform you're using to actually understand which audience it should be showing ads to, then your conversion rates are going to be better. Now, uh, just to clarify, actually, um, you said your first campaign, and I just wanted to make sure that um, it's okay to change creative more regularly after that. So is it okay, for example, to set your initial campaign going for five to six days, then after it's run that kind of length of time, you can keep the same campaign going, but change your creative more regularly.
1: Yes, I think after that initial period, you can run and make changes maybe every 24 to 70. I shouldn't say 24 hours is a relatively quick period. I would say two to three days is a good rule of thumb. Obviously, if there's something immediately wrong or you're seeing something that is very out of alignment, then that change could be made sooner. But after that, every several days, you can test smaller elements overtime for sure. So whenever you're running a new campaign, I think the best practice would be letting it sit um, where it used to be. People would even run a lot of campaigns for two to three days at a time. That is very challenging to do. Like If you're doing a Black Friday sale, larger brands are able to do it or for larger sales or short periods where they've got enough information, I would say, about their audience. But even just running a campaign for that short of a period is a risk. So two to three days is a best practice once a campaign has launched. for that window to make additional changes.
0: Is there any style of ad that you're seeing at the moment that's working particularly well?
1: You know, every vertical is a little bit different and we see different creatives resonate with different audiences. But the one tried and true creative that I think is just the future and where everything is going is video, particularly short form video and like Reels or TikTok. Um, And I know LinkedIn is starting to work too on short form content as well. But video can express a story in ways that uh, graphics or photos and copy are just limited and they can reinforce that. But we see video continues to increase our our video ads across all verticals for our clients usually will outperform static images overall. And so that seems to be the common trend is leverage video in what you are doing. It is where marketing is headed in the future.
0: Brilliant. Okay, well... You're certainly not the first person to say that on the strategic marketing show, so there's certainly something to that there as well. Uh, Also, just a final question in relation to what works at the moment um, with paid media, tracking. um, What metrics are absolutely key to look out for? Where should marketers be tracking success? Should they be looking at data within individual ad platforms themselves? Should they be automatically exporting this data into some other studio where they can combine data from elsewhere?
1: I would say from a tracking standpoint, um, the KPI specifically that you're wanting to look at as a marketer, depending on the campaign, are always going to be your link click through rates to evaluate the success of the creative itself and your CPMs to, especially with inflation and the global economy, climate changing overall, looking at CPMs from months past and years past will help show if inflation is the driving factor and why your ad costs could be rising or um, comparing that with your link click-through rates to see if creative is the bottleneck. There are a lot of other metrics to look at as well, but those two are very universal. And as far as looking at that data specifically, the ad platform's have all been this problem has lessened over the last several months, but a lot of, earlier last year, I would say a lot of platforms, including Google and Facebook, are over and under attributing leads and data a little bit incorrectly. We've seen this again start to even out a little bit with the rise of machine learning and those companies adapting to privacy and tracking changes. But with uh, Google Analytics changing to G4 and then with cookies going to be eliminated at some point in 2023, tracking is going to continue to be a very, very large hurdle for companies to overcome. So we, I would recommend at this point, um, using a data aggregator to pull it from one platform to another will not solve that issue. But using a different source to compile data, using a tool like Hyros or Segmetrics that relies on IP address or other forms of data rather than the platform is going to be the best way to truly get raw and real data. But this will be a great challenge that will as marketers, we will need to continue to solve over and over again over the next several years.
0: So we love different examples of tools and how marketers use tools. Um, so you mentioned the Hyrus. Now, what is that for marketers that are listening to this that haven't heard of that before and how does it work?
1: Yes. So Hiros is a third-party data tracking tool. And there are, I know wicked Reports, report segmetrics. There are a lot of tools like this that allow for accurate tracking. Uh, but what I liked about Hiros, and we've used it with clients is that it actually pulls data from about 16 different sources, including Facebook and Google when you input it, but also by IP address as well. And so because you're tracking users on so many different fronts, it can be a lot better to get more reliable information. So they're not compatible with all advertising platforms yet. But um, I know, I think they just introduced TikTok, but Facebook, Instagram, Google, um, I want to say LinkedIn. And they're able to pull, one, all of that data from different platforms to be able to track and measure it in one place. But also for you to really actually see as a marketer, not only where those conversions are happening from, but also the revenue, if you so choose, generated by each ad. And so how we've leveraged this in the past with clients, I can actually see for clients that have used this, the entire journey and the entire click-through rate of a client from inception to when they purchase. So you're able to actually go through and see by, even if they change emails that they've opted in. For instance, we've had a client where I could see they initially joined the client's email list, they clicked on a few social media posts. They opted in to an event. And then after reading a few emails, they finally it took about 16 touch points for them to make a purchase. And I can also compare that with the ad spend. So right now it's a very, very accurate way to see that information, to truly know where purchases are coming from.
0: So just to clarify, are you using tracking data um, from Hyrus to actually establish that people have open one of your emails or or experience some of your content elsewhere. And that's part of the purchase funnel that's attributed to the initial ad that someone saw.
1: Correct. And we use UTMs and other forms of tracking to be able to do that. So that Hyros is really at a global level. You're able to see campaigns and efforts across all different channels in one place.
0: Rowan, Okay. And I love the ability to, I guess, compare the success of individual ads, um, being platform agnostic, so you can bring in, I assume, LinkedIn ads, Facebook ads, Google ads, and uh, other ad platforms, and then determine which ad platform is the most suitable for your business. Yes, I love a straight answer like Thank that. You. Yes. Well, let's, yes. <laughs> um, let's move on from what works now to planning for the future. So in your opinion, what is the biggest marketing trend or challenge for marketers over the coming year?
1: Well, to stay on theme, it's going to be, it's going to continue to be tracking because while tools like gross exist now, the future of marketing and like any other industry and digital marketing, especially is relatively unknown. You have to remember that As I mentioned before, social media, Facebook was really the inception of that in 2007. And that's less than two decades worth of info for us to be able to really determine what does the future hold and the internet boom, the dot-com boom. I mean, we're still, I think, in the very early stages. But the irony in what is happening right now with all of our advancements and with all of our capabilities to track and to be able to measure progress, the irony is that people don't want to be tracked. People don't want to, for marketers, we love this, but from a general consumer, we don't want to have companies always know where we're going, what where we're doing, and to be connected at all times. And so while our world thrives with connectivity, individuals don't always want their behavior to be demonstrated for the whole world to see. So I think um, as we're seeing the elimination of cookies next year, that's going to be another example of a hurdle that marketers are going to have to come come over from a tracking standpoint. And I think the emphasis, I'm sure at some point that the legislation on a lot of this and on data and how it's leveraged is still new and is still relatively unclear. And so I think in the upcoming years, there are going to be more restrictions in how data is used by companies and by marketers. And so that takes the focus away from some of tracking and puts it on and creates an emphasis and a need very effective, creative and messaging. And so at the end of the day, marketers are going to need to balance that strategy and analysis with really creating effective creatives to serve their audience and knowing when to prioritize either of those two things.
0: Great thoughts. I've been your host, David Bain. You can find Ashley Monk over at AnyaMark.com. Ashley, thanks so much for being on the Strategic Marketing Show.
1: Thanks for having me, David.
0: And thank you for listening. Here at IFP, our goal is simple to connect you with the most relevant information to help solve your business problems all in one place. Insightsforprofessionals.com